the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Nah, man, you see how good I look? Nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a game. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. Not this night. Yes, sir. Not this night. We don't pay attention to what happens, what goes on the outside. We just do our job. Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a trip move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live, a Friday edition for the 17th day of November 2023. It's Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone, hanging out with you on the eve of a Shepherd playoff game and the day of the quarterfinals of the Class AAA playoff picture. We've got a lot to talk about over the last, next couple of minutes or so and only a short time to do it. Parker Stone, how are you after taking in Thursday night football last night? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty well overall, just hanging around, excited for another what's going to be a packed weekend, and was was doing some uh, weekend work things a little earlier this morning, and over on our sister station, today's 97.5, they're starting to play Christmas music today, so, so all-time Christmas favorites start over that way, so I don't know. Needs to start the day after Thanksgiving. I, yeah, I, I guess we can uh, poll our listeners on that. You can text us, 304-263-4321. When's the appropriate time to start Christmas music and to put the tree up, because I <laughs> I I reluctantly put a tree up at the start of November this year with, with the girlfriend. So I I'm I'm more of an after Thanksgiving person personally, but interested to see your takes on that. Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. Well, as we turn our attention to the playoff football that's going to be played both in the collegiate level and at the Shepherd level as well. By the way, Texter says the day after Thanksgiving. I concur. That or December first are the two days, in my opinion. And I love Christmas. But let's give Thanksgiving its due before we move into Tinseltown. Uh, let's start by talking about yesterday's Shepherd women's basketball game. The Rams have gotten off to an 0-2 start in women's hoops, trying to rebuild with a new cast of characters under second-year head coach Julie Kaufman. 93-55, the final score yesterday against the Bobcats. Shepard looked much better in the second half than they did in the first, albeit against some second- and third-string scorers from West Virginia Wesleyan, who I found out yesterday, you know, keeping up with the stats and watching the game, have 18 players on their roster, which is just remarkable. Sydney Bowles, the only Ram to get into double figures as she finishes in the game with 11 points. Shepard struggling to rebound and struggling to shoot the ball from three. There's some pieces from this team that I really, really like. I think that Sarah Wenner is going, or Kara Wenner, excuse me, is going to be the point guard that they've been looking for for a while uh, to accent um, what Peyton Grant's going to be able to do as a two. I still like Miner and Bowles playing together. I think they've got the ability to step out and hit the triple. Bowles is the most complete player on this team. You know, they have a lack of depth on the wing. Leah Copeland comes off the bench uh, along with Yara Harrison, and they're just not that big. 
So guarding on the perimeter is something that's going to be a problem for this team because they just don't have defenders with length. Um, but, you know, there's some fun pieces. It was also nice to see Bowman, uh, another one of those freshmen, is a rim runner, get four rebounds. I, I think she's going to have a very good career for Shepard if she sticks around. She had three offensive rebounds. And Madeline Burroughs, she's just one of six from three, but I like the confidence from her to shoot it. This freshman class, I think, is going to pay dividends. And Krista as well. Uh, and Rhodes comes in and plays eight minutes. And Krista, it, she's a... Uh, uh, a five that's got some legitimate skills. So while we're probably not looking at a 21 season for Shepard this year, Parker Stone, I think Coach Kaufman has proved this more than anything. She can recruit. I think that Peyton Grant was a really good get as a freshman last year, and I think this freshman class is solid as well. Yeah, and I think really for this women's team for Shepard, they got to find who really is going to be their alpha player. And when we look at West Virginia Wesleyan's box score, you look at it, Emma Witt is their alpha player. She had 21 points and shot 6 of 12 from the field, made her only three-pointer, got five rebounds, and shot 8 of 10 from the free throw line. You look at some of the comparative stats in this contest, West Virginia Wesleyan shot 72% from the free throw line. Shepard barely shot over 50% from the charity stripe. That's got to improve for this team. Not great three-point shooting night, only shooting four of 24, where Wesleyan shot six of 22, which also for Wesleyan wasn't the best three-point shooting night, but still enough to outlast Shepard on that end. And just shooting from the field as well, this team was 28%. Wesleyan was 42%. they got to find ways to take higher-quality shots because that was a big killer for this team last year. They just could not make their shots when they had opportunities, and that has to get better. But again, this is under year two of Coach Kaufman. She's trying to establish what her brand of Shepard basketball wants to be. And I'm very confident with the way she's brought in the talent, like you mentioned, the way she's been recruiting. It's, the trending is getting there. It's just getting the pieces, building that culture from really the ground from this point and still la- laying down the bricks and the foundation of what you want your culture of Shepherd women's basketball to be for Coach Kaufman. If you want to take in the Rams women's basketball team, they're in action at home against Bowie State coming up on Tuesday. They play at 1 and the men play at 3. Our first broadcast of Shepherd University women's basketball will be uh, Friday, December 1st, in a web-only stream against Seton Hill. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as that gets a little bit closer. Our first on-the-radio broadcast will be the next day, December 2nd, a home game against Cal PA. We're going to be your home for Shepherd men's and women's basketball all season long. want to turn our attention in the second half of this first segment to the college football that will be played tomorrow on our airwaves on 95.9 The Big Dog. Shepard is traveling down to Hickory, as are we in just a couple of moments. We're going to be hopping in some kind of vehicle, I hope, and driving down to North Carolina as the Rams take on Lenore Ryan, who uh, won the sack, um, their record 10-1 and this season, one of the best defenses in all of Division II college football. And Parker Stone, we'll talk about this a lot tomorrow because we've got an hour-long pregame to get through all of this. But I'm going to read a couple of stats that really – epitomize how good this Lenore Ryan team is both defensively uh, and at home. This year, they've only given up 78 rushing yards per game to their opponents. It's one of the top rushing defenses in the country. Now, Shepard has had abilities against premier rushing defenses. We've talked extensively about the similarities between this team and East Stroudsburg, uh, who Shepard played um, in the second to last week of the regular season. At home, Lenore Ryan is undefeated. They've outscored their opponents 238-20. to You talk about it, what do they call it, between the bricks, that's going to be uh, a really, really crucial time uh, or really, really crucial place for Shepard to play some good football. This season, defensively, Lenore Ryan has only allowed 13 trips to the red zone to their opponents, 13 trips through 11 games, and only six of those times has their opponents scored a touchdown. 
which is another incredible feat, and their quarterback, Sean White. So we expect White to be the starter in this game, despite the fact that Ferguson is listed as the starter on the depth chart. Ferguson started the season for this team and played well as a game manager, and then Sean White came in when Ferguson went down due to injury. His last game, which was the SAC championship game, he tied a program record for passing touchdowns in a game. He threw for six. In his last two games, he has thrown for 485 yards, eight touchdowns, and no interceptions. Those four things alone tell you that Shepard is uh, obviously not going to get an easy game in round one. Going on the road to one of the most hostile environments in Division II football and playing a red-hot, or should I say white-hot quarterback in Sean White uh, presents some challenges for Shepard that they're not necessarily accustomed to uh, going out of their region for the playoffs. Well, with Lenore Ryan's sake, they have a coach that's been to the biggest stage before in Mike Jacobs, if if you remember before Shepard joined the PSAC in 2019 where they were still in the Mountain East. Mike Jacobs was doing phenomenal things for a few years over at Notre Dame College in Ohio, and he led that team to a national semifinal appearance. He coached another great running back, Jalil McLaughlin, who's now playing for the Denver Broncos. And Coach Jacobs is really good. He's a really good coach. He's a former Ohio State offensive lineman and long snapper for the Buckeyes, played for them in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it's a guy that's been around some really good programs. He's been around the Purdue program for years. He's been really fostering what was a rise to Notre Dame College to put them on a national scene in the mid to late 2010s decade. And now he's bringing this brand of football to Lenore Ryan. You look at a guy at the tailback for a McGee. He was the national freshman of the year in 2021. This is a guy who is electric with the football in his hands. Now, he hasn't met the marks that he had in his freshman year in 2021. He ran almost for 1,700 yards his freshman year. He's ran about it for 1,100 this year. He's still a top 10. You could call it back in the nation division two right now. He's still fantastic. But again, we saw the thing that gives me confidence in Shepard is this, the fact that they went toe to toe with many good running backs this season. Chris Collier is a great example. Collier, of course, the Eastern division player of the year ran for 1300 yards. You could rank him as a top five back this year in division two. He had a fantastic season. Shepard bottled him up pretty much. It was one of the games where Collier didn't rush for 150 yards, 200 yards, and rush for a couple touchdowns. They were able to game plan around Chris Collier and take him out of the picture for the most part. Even the same thing for East Stroudsburg. We looked at Tubby Mills and Tyreek Lewis, two running backs who combined were a big force for East Stroudsburg and an offensive line that was built like the Twin Towers in the mountains. They, they were able to find ways to stifle that and bring it down. So for, for this sake, for Shepard, they've had ways to stop dominant running attacks. But I think the key is going to be, can this offense get around a stifling defense in Lenore Ryan? Because this is the best defense they've played all season long. They faced the test in Stroudsburg. Now they got even, maybe it's a level up from that now. And Lenore Ryan in a defense that had guys that just fly all over the place. Lenore Ryan is making the postseason for the seventh time in program history. All of those, by the way, have come since 2012. You talk about how recently this program has found its success for Shepard. It's their 15th trip to the playoffs. And to further epitomize how good Lenore Ryan is at home, they are winless in road playoff games in program history. But at home, they are 8-2. and two. 
That game is going to kick off tomorrow on 95.9 The Big Dog. Again, our pregame coverage will begin at high noon, and that game will kick off at 1 p.m. High school football tonight, if we have time, we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Kyle Wiggs will have the call. He's coming over from Morgantown, and he'll have the broadcast of that Martinsburg and Jefferson game that kicks at 7 o'clock. I'm sorry, 7.30. Our pregame will begin at 7 o'clock. Break to take. When we return, we'll talk WVU football. They take on Cincinnati. WVU not favored by a touchdown despite being the home team and Cincinnati being 3-7. and seven. We'll talk about that as well as some other matchups in college football. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchhoff Building here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. As we mentioned earlier, um, we have high school football tonight beginning at 7 o'clock between Martinsburg and Jefferson. Tomorrow we've got nine hours of WVU game day coverage provided by the great folks of Metro News in tandem with our Shepherd broadcast that you can hear on 95.9 The Big Dog. The Mountaineers take on Cincinnati. It's a home game for WVU, only favored by 6.5 points for a Cincinnati team led by Emory Jones that has won just one game in the Big 12 Conference. Two things of note for the Mountaineers going into this game, Parker Stone. Number one, uh, they're going to be honoring head coach Don Nealon. Uh in my opinion, the coach most responsible for elevating WVU to where they've reached their level of success as an independent had the major win over Penn State. Coach Jeff Hostetler, coached Oliver Luck, you know, led them to the most success we had ever seen for that program and paved the way uh, for the coaches beyond him, Rich Rodriguez, uh, Bill Stewart, the inevitable move to the Big 12, and the program to where it is now, one of the winningest. Are we still the winningest program in college football to not have a national championship? That's correct. So, you know, and I owe a lot of that respect to uh, Don Neal. And obviously I, you know, wasn't necessarily alive through many of those eras of WVU football, but he's going to be honored um, and certainly one of the best coaches to ever do that. And also a current member of the WVU football team uh, has a pretty prestigious honor and in my opinion is the most talented of his position group in the country. Yeah, that was a uh, tweet sent out by Jim Nagy, uh, director of the Senior Bowl, about couple minutes ago that Zach Frazier has been elected to participate in this year's Senior Bowl come this spring, which again, it's a big honor, a big accomplishment to make the Senior Bowl. It's a very prestigious event. A lot of great players have played in this contest before, and it's a great chance for Zach Frazier to put his name out to a lot of NFL scouts and a lot of NFL names out there. So it's a great it's a great honor for Zach Frazier. He's had a fantastic season once again, and congrats to Zach. And again, I think, I think Frazier's going to be a guy selected in the first three to four rounds the NFL draft I think he's a I think he's you could argue he's the top center prospect in this year's draft I think he goes in the first three rounds he's just played that fantastic this season yeah certainly by the way question I want to ask because I'm just um excuse me uh reading through some of the bios for for coach Nealon and I want to get your take on this a little bit later on in the show but let's see if we can get the text line involved 304-263-4321 I would say it's pretty much indisputable that the four best quarterbacks that Don Nealon coached uh Major Harris Mark Bulger Oliver Luck Jeff Hostetler, rank those quarterbacks, Mountaineer Ooh. fans, weigh in, rank, rank those quarterbacks uh, one through four um, in, in terms of who do you think were the best, in terms of talent, because I know Mark Bulger struggled with success because uh, he didn't have great teams, but obviously he ended up playing in the NFL. So Mark Bulger, Major Harris, Jeff Hostetler, Oliver Luck, rank those quarterbacks from best to worst, in your opinion, as Mountaineer fans. Your thoughts on the Cincinnati game? I think the Mountaineers win. I think they cover. I think there's a lot of emotion in this game, and the Mountaineers pick up their seventh win of the season. And that elusive seventh victory, Parkerstone, in my opinion, you know, I saw, and we got a text about this yesterday, asking about the possibility, you know, does Neil Brown get let go? Uh, there was some buzz from CBS Sports that talked about the possibility of Neil Brown being forced out if the Mountaineers thought that Jimbo Fisher was available. 
and that's just speculation, Neil Brown becomes much more fireable despite the fact that he's bowl eligible if he loses to Cincinnati because this is not a good Cincinnati team. I expect the Mountaineers to win. Yeah, I think so too. I think West Virginia wins this game. Like you mentioned, it's honoring of Don Nealon and there's a lot of things riding on this game. And now Neil Brown feels pressure because I don't, you can buy or sell the rumors if you want, but the fact that the shadow of Jimbo Fisher could potentially be lurking for Neil Brown, I think I gives him more incentive to win these games. When, if you went out, you, you keep your job hundred percent. An eight and four season is a banner mark for WVU, especially after the past few years that Mountaineer fans have had to go through. But I think if he is able to win that, and Cincinnati's not a good team. I, I came into the season saying I thought Cincinnati was going to be the worst team in the Big 12. And uh, checks, notes, checks, receipts, yes, they are the worst <laughs> team in the Big 12, like I predicted in August. But it's it's a team in Cincinnati, again, you don't want to take teams like this lightly. We saw what Shepard did against Bloomsburg. So we, we, ha- we have locally what the pen and paper is for over maybe overselling a team that isn't very good and taking advantage of that. And then they come in and surprise you, but it, it I imagine business to get handled this weekend. It's a, again, as you mentioned, an honoring of Don Nealon, uh, wearing the old Don Nealon blue WVU jerseys, which are always a fun look. And I think it's a Cincinnati team that is very, very beatable right now, much out of bowl contention that are just going to be playing spoilers the rest of the way. Well, that game's going to kick off at 2.30 after uh, our broadcast of Shepherd University football, 95.9 The Big Dog. I encourage you to tune back to WEPM and WCST where they have nine hours of WVU game day coverage. Thank you all the way through the game, and then we'll have the uh, the post-game conversation as well. And again, Texas ranked the four best quarterbacks that Don Nealon coached when he was at WVU, Major Harris, Mark Bulger, Oliver Luck, and Jeff Hostetler. I will, Parker Stone will, coming up here in just a little bit as well. Uh, in terms of the rest of college football, a little bit of a snooze fest this week in terms of ranked matchups. The Pac-12 will give us a couple of good ones. Utah and Arizona is 22 against 17. Tennessee is going to get a shot at Georgia. Tennessee at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville, are only Georgia's only favored by 10 points. That's an interesting line, to be honest with you. So that's a game I'm sure we'll keep an eye on. Uh, let's see what else you have. You've got Kansas State and Kansas in a ranked Big 12 matchup. The game being played in Lawrence between number one Kansas or number one, number 21 Kansas State, number 25 Kansas. And then you're I thinking guess, basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're in basketball mode. And then uh, another Pac-12 matchup between undefeated and fifth-ranked Washington and number 11 Oregon State should be enough, in my opinion, to move them up to number four if they beat. Um, Oregon State, who is the home team in that game. So which college football game saved the Mountaineer game, Parker Stone? Are you the most interested in keeping up with this weekend? Definitely Washington-Oregon State's going to be a fun game. Those two are going to put on a show, I think. It's a matchup of two guys who have had very interesting college stories at quarterback. Michael Penix Jr., of course, was a front-runner for the Heisman for a good bit of the season. He's still, I think, in contention, but I don't know if he's the front-runner today. But and of course his story played at Indiana had a lot of injuries went over to the Pac-12 in Washington has been having a fantastic season for the Huskies and for Oregon State they've quietly put together a really good season they're a top ten team DJ Uyunglele revives his career at Oregon State after a tough ride of things at Clemson and now they're playing really good football for the Beavers so I'm I'm excited to see this one that's probably my my game that I'm circled for the weekend I mean as also right now we're in that season where teams are fighting for bowl eligibility right now and there's one going on between a couple teams throughout the Big 12 that are going to be playing for bowl eligibility trying to get that sixth win so I'll be keeping tabs on that one as well and Texas Iowa State too that one's kind of if there's an upset to brew this weekend could be one in Ames I think uh, Texas only is favored by seven and a half on the road 
So I think there's a possibility that Iowa State could play spoiler. And we know Texas has the has the ability to lay eggs on the road against teams. We saw them lay an egg against Kansas a few years ago. There's a possibility I think we could see an upset brewing in Ames with Iowa State potentially beating Texas. We'll have to keep a tab on that one. Got a break to take when we return. Myself, Parker Stone, will rank, like I mentioned, those four quarterbacks that played for head coach Don Nealon. And uh, we'll also take a look back at Thursday Night Football, get you set up with our NFL picks as well. You're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Can't get enough of Panhandle Sports? Head to PanhandleNewsNetwork.com for articles on your favorite teams. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. You know, Parker Stone, the more I think about it, the more I think there's really only one clear answer when ranking those four quarterbacks. Give me Major Harris, Mark Bulger, Jeff Hostetler, Oliver Luck. I think that's right. I think the only one you could you could maybe flip Hostetler and Bulger, depending on how you feel. But I think definitively Major's one, Luck is four. And then you could flip two and three. Around. Big Mark Bulger fan, not just because he went on to play for the St. Louis Rams, but I think people didn't realize how much he elevated the level of a not very good Mountaineer fan. And also he had, what, six passing touchdowns against Pitt. So I uh, love me some Mark Bulger. All was, right. I mean, he was sneaky good there in the NFL for like a few years in the mid 2000s, too. I it mean, was somebody. Oh, yeah. He was the Pro Bowl MVP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was a great player. And he had a bad Rams team. He had Steven Jackson and no offensive line. He had a couple years with the remnants of the greatest show on turf, but that was a pass prime Isaac Bruce and a pass prime Torrey Holt uh, and a pass prime Orlando Pace. But he was able to, you're absolutely right, have uh, a couple of really fun seasons. He just got battered, man. You remember when Orlando Pace played for the Bears at the end of his career? Mm-hmm. Gosh, that feels like an age. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, players playing on odd teams late in their careers. Uh, uh, Ian Rappaport reporting that the Browns are having open, uh, tr- not open tryouts. I'm not going to go out and try Let's out. head to Cleveland. But they're having a quarterback workout. Uh, to figure out what they're going to do to replace Deshaun Watson, who went down with an injury. Among the quarterbacks that are in attendance, Joe Flacco. Oh, my gosh. Could you? I mean, it was already <laughs> weird seeing him wear a 19 jersey and play for the Jets. That's so. the picture that Rappaport used in the tweet. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Phillip Rivers has probably had four kids since he retired from the NFL, but he's still kicking around. You know, we could start the Andrew Luck rumor mill again. I'm here for it. Dr- Dust Drew Brees Drew off. Drew Brees, Yeah. That that uh, I guess those are all possibilities. But anyways, we got to talk a little NFL football, and uh, let's start by talking about last night's game, uh, Thursday night football, a game in which the Bengals got significantly banged up, uh, and Joe Burrow certainly amongst them. Thirty-four to twenty, the final score, a two touchdown performance for Lamar Jackson. He throws for two hundred and sixty-four yards in a game in which the Ravens win and take another step closer to being the top team in the AFC. Let's listen back to a couple of the highlights. Well, let's just listen to one. Gus Edwards, uh, to put the game beyond doubt, a three-yard wrestling touchdown as it was heard on WBAL. They give us to the bus, and the bus rolls in! Touchdown, Ravens! And with 4.49 left to play... So, all right, that was just an abrupt way to cut off that highlight. And then after the game, Zach Taylor, of course, Joe Burrow dealing with a hand injury. If you haven't seen the video, goes back to the sideline, tries to throw, realizes he can't. Zach Taylor talked to the media about the injury. It looked like he sprained his wrist. So fell on it early in the game and then felt it on the touchdown pass. Have you heard it at all before tonight? Not that I'm aware of. Do you think he can come back, can come back this year? I, I have no idea. I, uh, all the information I have is, is two seconds worth. And then we went to go try to find the so that was Zach Taylor talking about that injury there to Joe Burrow. Devastating for the Bengals. 5-5 five and five and him probably missing multiple weeks is enough to keep them out of the playoffs. For the Ravens, they're 8-3. and three. And if the Eagles beat the Chiefs uh, coming up on Monday Night Football, you're looking at the number one team in the AFC. Yeah, it's starting to look that way with Baltimore. They've had a fantastic year. And 
I mean, Baltimore didn't come out of that game unscathed either. Of course, Lamar had to step out for a little bit and come back in. But the biggest story is Mark Andrews is done for the season with an ankle injury. So how is that going to play? Is Isaiah Likely going to fill that void of Mark Andrews efficiently? I love Isaiah Likely, but I think it is an opportunity for him to prove he's the best backup tight end in the NFL and maybe parlay himself into a big contract in a couple years in free agency if he'd want to leave. But it's an opportunity for Likely, a tough injury for Mark Andrews, who's one of the best tight ends in the NFL and probably Lamar Jackson's most consistent target in Baltimore. It's definitely a blow, but this defense for the Ravens has been playing great all season long. They shut down Jamar Chase. They don't let Tyler Boyd get much of anything going. Joe Mixon has a decent game, but it was one game that Cincinnati had to turn to running the football because they had to put Jake Browning into the game. So Baltimore's playing really good football, and they're going to be a tough team to beat down the stretch. I think they're at least a top three seed in the AFC right now. We'll have to see what happens with Kansas City and Philadelphia on Monday, but it, Baltimore's legit. They're uh, they're in the top class of the AFC right now, and an AFC that's really it's a really weird and wide open year this year. Cincinnati can miss the playoffs. Buffalo could miss the playoffs. Um, the AFC South is wide open. The Texans could win that division if a couple dominoes fall their way. AFC is a is a wild horse race that everyone has, or I'd say at least seventy percent of the conference has a race in it right now. It's an it's it's insane in the AFC to put it to put it into words. It's an insane race in the AFC. All right, well now we go rapid fire. We're going to pick every NFL football game that's going to be played on Sunday and Monday night as well. And we begin with the most sickos committee game I think I've ever seen. In my, not really, but close to it. Certainly for this week, the six and three Cleveland Browns don't have a quarterback. The six and three Pittsburgh Steelers. Also do not have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. <laughs> Kenny Pickett is playing, but he's not playing well. Uh, the Browns, despite the fact that we have no idea who's going to be throwing the ball for them, are favored by a point at home. Both of these teams are very good at winning ugly football games. You also have two of the top defensive players in all of football and Miles Garrett and uh, Watt going toe-to-toe. It's got to be the Steelers. I'm taking the Steelers here. By the way, there's no way you would get me to pay $158 to get into this game, but that's what they're charging right now. Did you see, by the way, as an aside, the pit game last night, and we, they were just getting destroyed for their attendance because they claimed there were 41,000 people there and they looked like there were 15. You could get into the game for a dollar. I saw that last and night. And upon further review, it costs more to get a small order of French fries from McDonald's than it is to get a pit football ticket right now. That's a that's a stat you can hang on to a wall. Anyways, I've got the Steelers in this game. Yeah, I got the Steelers too. I just think that the Steelers defense is going to carry them once again, and DTR is going to have some issues with trying to adjust to a Steelers defense. So I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. The Lions seven and two as they host the three and seven Bears. Detroit favored by seven and a half. Um, you know, Jared Goff still playing very good football. It's fun to now watch David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs have really good chemistry with each other. David Montgomery even offered up the fact that he let Jameer Gibbs score a touchdown last week by not coming on to the field. I've got Detroit winning this game, but with Fields coming back for the Bears, just a little bit of juice. And obviously I'm not just saying this. Um, you know, Tyson has put the Bears in a, a decent spot in terms of competitive play. I say they cover the seven and a half points. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at, too. I think Detroit wins, but Chicago can make it a little bit competitive. they got some key pieces that are starting to grow into their own, but I think this is Detroit's division. Detroit's making a really hard case to be a top two or three seed in the NFC. The Chargers and the Packers. The Chargers are going to Lambeau and are favored by three points. Um, you're really not that much to say about this other than the Packers aren't very good. The Chargers are going to win this game to me. I think they're going to cover as well. 
The only thing that makes me have hope for Green Bay is that the Chargers' pass defense is not very good, but I think the Chargers will still find a way to get this game and compete in the AFC. The Raiders are all vibes, 5-5, five and five, as they head to Hard Rock Stadium to take on the 6-3 and three Dolphins. Miami favored by 13 points is a pretty big number for the way the Raiders have been playing good football. Because of that, I say that the Dolphins win, but the Raiders cover. Tyree Kill, by the way, is just a smidge below that 2,000-yard receiving pace. Uh, so if he wants to get back on track, a Raider defense that has given up some pretty epic stat lines to opposing wide receivers would be a pretty good place to start. But I've got the Dolphins winning and the Raiders covering. I'm sorry. Dolphins win, Dolphins cover. <laughs> I, I think it's a two-touchdown win for the Dolphins. All right. Uh, the Commanders and the Giants. Washington favored by nine points. Another start for Tommy DeVito and the 2-8 and eight G-men. Um, the Commanders win. I had picked the Giants to cover last week. I'm not going to do it this week. Embrace the tank, baby. Commanders win. All right. The 6-3 and three Dallas Cowboys are traveling to Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte to take on the 1-8 and eight Panthers. Ten and a half points is the line. And I will take Dallas and take them to cover as well. Yeah. Dallas <laughs> kind of a boring week of NFL football. It's, it's not a great weekend. I'm taking Dallas in the points. Uh, the Jaguars favored by exactly a touchdown as they take on the 3-6 and six Titans. Titans going through that quarterback change in the middle of the season. The Jaguars need this win to stay competitive as they attempt to try to win the AFC. Like you mentioned, one of those other teams that might be in contention with the Ravens and the Chiefs and whatever for the top of the division. Um, I say the Jags win. Let's get spicy, though, and say the Titans cover. Derrick Henry has looked interesting the last couple of weeks, to say the least. By the way, do you know who the leading receiver is for the Jacksonville Jaguars right now? Christian Kirk. It is Christian Kirk. There we go. 624 yards for my man. Only three touchdowns, which is interesting. He's a between-the-20s wide receiver, but he's having a good season for Jacksonville, who are going to win this game, says Luke Wiggs, but the Titans are going to cover. Jacksonville comes out upset because of what happened in San Francisco. I think they win and they cover against Tennessee. Five and four, the Houston Texans, as they take on the two and eight Arizona Cardinals, were fun to watch last week with Kyler Murray and were not able to win the game. C.J. Stroud, I'm still not ready. Uh, you're you're big on C.J. Stroud. You would say he is number what in MVP odds poll, whatever. In your mind, he's what right now? Um, top three, top five, four, four. I put him in the top four. My top four as of today would be I would say Mahomes, I would say Tyree Kill, and I would say A.J. Brown. Let me see if I can find some odds because I don't. And then C.J. Stroud's my four. I would put him in the top ten, but I don't know if I would put him in my top five as it stands right now. Why is Brock Purdy on this list? This is not accurate. <laughs> Maybe that was from like week five. Yeah, that must have been from a while ago. Um, anyways, I'll, I'll circle back to that in just a couple of moments. Um, the Cardinals, man, four and a half points is an interesting line. Texans win. It's hard to say the Texans don't cover four and a half points. I want to say that if this was a bigger number, if this was six and a half, I maybe would take the Cardinals to cover, but give me the Texans and the Texans to cover the four and a half points. I got Houston in what is going to be the shootout of the weekend. The Texans are turning into the most fun watching team in the NFL, and they just let it rip. D'Amico Ryans just tells CJ Stroud, all right, go rip the ball 40 times down the field and see what happens. So I'm I'm taking the Texans. This is going to be a fun quarterback matchup too. Kyler Murray versus CJ Stroud. That That's just fun. Yeah. I, this is going to be the matchup. I'm watching this definitely this weekend. I take the Texans to win. Okay, so here are the MVP odds that I'm looking at. And it's interesting because one of the guys that in my head I would have put over C.J. Stroud is Joe Burrow. But obviously that's going to be called into question. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are tied. This is uh, an article from Fox Sports. Tua is three. Lamar is four. Then Burrow, five. Stroud, six. Purdy still at seven, which I still think is a mistake. Josh Allen at eight. Is that the best we can do? 
I mean, my goodness. The MVP is, is not a quarterback award. Christian McCaffrey is the only non-quarterback on this list. He's number nine. Dak Prescott is 10. I would say that I would put Mahomes, Hurts, Tua, and Lamar. I'd put A.J. Brown over Jalen Hurts. That's just me. Yeah, that's a fair statement. Yeah. I was Of the guys on this list, I would put those four, and then I would put A.J. Brown and Tyree Kill, and then I would put C.J. Stroud. So in my opinion, he's a top um, seven MVP yeah. uh, odds candidate. We've got a text that we'll get to here in just a couple of seconds. Let's run through a couple more of these games. The 49ers are favored by 11.5 points at home against the 4-5 and five Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't see this 49er team, especially the way they played over the last four weeks, beating anybody by double digits right now. So the 49ers win, but the Buccaneers cover. I got the 49ers covering. They absolutely stomped the Jags, and I think they're coming back with a vengeance. I think the 49ers win big against Tampa. All right, um, moving on through the other games that we have to pick. Uh, the Bills and the Jets. Buffalo favored by seven points against the four and five Jets. What are we, uh, a month away from the phantom return of Aaron Rodgers based on what he was putting if out? If he on- does this, it is going to be <laughs> the most insane thing I think I've ever seen in sports. Uh, the Bills are going to win this game, and the Bills are going to cover the seven points. Um, man, Josh Allen's throwing 11 interceptions this year. That's a gross number. Stephon Diggs is somebody else that's one good game away from entering the MVP conversation as if it wasn't a quarterback award like you joked about. Uh, but give me the Bills and give me the Bills to cover. Bills need this one really bad. I'm taking Buffalo. Uh, the 3-6 and six Rams host the 6-3 and three Seahawks. Seattle's only favored by a point. That doesn't make sense to it me. It's weird. Um, give me Seattle. Give me Seattle to cover, obviously. Uh, this game was close in week one, but I think, and I believe this, yeah, the Rams upset Seattle week one. That's yes, if I'm did. correct. So I wouldn't, well, at the time you wouldn't call it an upset. You would now, but you wouldn't yeah. at the time. But I think I'll go with Seattle in this contest just because I think with, although Stafford looks like he's coming back for the Rams this week, but Seattle's defense is really coming together and rushing the quarterback really well. So I'm taking the Seahawks. So that takes us through the one and four o'clock windows, the eight o'clock window, Sunday night football, the six and four Vikings. Traveling to Mile High and Denver to take on the four and five Broncos. Denver favored by two and a half points. Love the way they played last week. Russell Wilson's having a really good season. <laughs> no one's talking about it. He, Nobody's talking. He's about back. It. He's having a great season. Now give me the Broncos. Give me the Broncos uh, definitively in this game. Let's ride Broncos country. We're taking <laughs> we're taking the Broncos in this one to end the hot streak for the Vikings. It's time Minnesota comes back to earth, but. Interestingly enough, can we see the will Justin Jefferson return in this game? Is the real question. Is this Justin Jefferson? He should. He, his IR expires not this game, but the next game, right? He should be good. I think he, I, yeah, his four weeks has been up. He was maybe going to come back last week, but didn't. So, right. I, but again, that, if he returns, get get ready for a uh, interesting, probably the best wide receiver in the league versus the best corner in the league, and uh, Pat Sertan and Justin Jefferson. That'll be an absolute show if we get that. The most expensive ticket of the weekend can be purchased to go watch uh, Monday Night Football. The 7-2 and two Chiefs against the 8-1 and one Eagles. Kansas City favored by 2.5 points. You want to take a swing as to how much it costs to get into this game? Probably $400. $310. Phew. That's a lot of money. That's a car payment for me. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is 17 touchdowns, 8 interceptions on the season. I'll tell you this, because a lot of people are going to say that this is a Super Bowl preview, and I think that's a fair assessment. I think... I don't know what I think. I think Kansas City gets this game. Um, I think that I, I'll give you more of an explanation after we get Parker Stone's pick in this game. I got the Chiefs in this one just because the Chiefs defense has been playing like the best in the league this season. I, I think Kansas City finds a way to pull this one out. But and maybe the reason the ticket is so expensive because the rumor mill has it is that Taylor Swift is meeting 
uh, well, Taylor's parents and uh, Travis's parents are meeting each other for the first time in oh, this thank game. Goodness. So everyone can you relax. The, you see the Onion article where it was Taylor Swift's parents and Travis Kelsey's parents are now dating. Um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Um, here's what I'm going to say, and you can hurl insults at me if you want. If the Kansas City wins this game, and I believe they will, are we going to have the conversation that, at least in the regular season, obviously they've won a lot of Super Bowls, that this is the best Kansas City Chiefs team that Patrick Mahomes has had? Ooh. It does not include Tyree Kill, but it includes the most complete defense. Kareem Hunt also not being here is a problem, but I really like Isaiah Pacheco. He's just not the pass catcher that Kareem Hunt was. Mm-mm. Wide receiver course sucks. Let's get that out the way real quick. And Travis Kelsey's in the midst of one of the best seasons of his career when he's healthy. This I, It's got to be in the top three, and it, in my opinion, it might be the best. So I'll say this. This is the most... Tom Brady looking Patrick Mahomes team that I've ever if that makes any sense from what I just said he's throwing to Sky Moore Rasheed Rice if you're it's like it's like Brady and Gronk were in the late 2010s and then you just have rotational guys out there like Mahomes has Rasheed Rice Sky Moore uh what's that one is Justin Watson the guy's name yeah uh uh, who else? Noah Gray. Tony. Noah Gray, Kadarius Tony, uh, and just random guys. And how Brady was too. He had well, he had Adelman who really he had Randy Moss himself. for one year, baby. Who did? I thought you were talking about Tom Brady. He had uh, Randy Moss for one year. No, that was like 07. I'm, yeah. like, I'm, oh, I'm, ta- talking, about- I'm talking like late 2010s, like uh, the Gronk era and all see, that. I see, I see. Like he was talking like Chris Hogan yeah, yeah. and guys like that. James James White. Am I right? Is that the right name? James White? They spent a first-round pick on Nikhil Harry, and that was a mistake. Yeah, like, yeah, guys like that. He's just throwing at guys of that nature. So this is a New England Patriots-esque Kansas City Chiefs team, if that makes any sense in the world. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, the defense is probably the best that they've ever had. They've played fantastic this year. But the offense needs to find different ways to really take advantage, and I think they do against Philadelphia. we got another break to take when we return. Interesting text that I 100% agree with on the text line that we'll get to on the other side of Parker's Picks, and we'll also take a look at the high school football landscape, not just for the Eastern Panhandle teams, but across the state of West Virginia when we return. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live. We've got high school football coming up tonight. Kyle Wiggs on the call at 730. Martinsburg takes on Jefferson. Shepard football tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment, but it's the final edition of Parker's Picks for the week. Yeah, well, that's called Beginner's Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it never fails. Never failed once. Well, we got a weird Joe Burrow injury that messed up our Thursday night football picks for last night. But we had him at 225. Of course, he exits the game early, so he's unable to get that. And which made it a tough night for the Bengals passing attack. Tyler Boyd was the leading receiver for the Bengals, but he only had 22 yards. That didn't do us any good. And I thought Lamar was going to get into the end zone some point tonight, or rather last night, but unable to do so. So we'll try and rebound now for you for the weekend. We're going to get you some double barrel picks for NFL and college football. We start with college first. I'm going with the lock of the weekend. And looking at the stuff I have picked out here, I'm going to go with Georgia on the spread this weekend. I'm taking Georgia 10.5 on the spread this weekend. It's my lock of the weekend just because I think the dogs are playing good football right now. And Tennessee lost to Missouri, which shout out to Missouri, by the way. They've been playing really good football this year. I've got I've got Georgia on the spread against Tennessee. I think they handle business and they keep getting one step further to the college football playoff. You know, I got Missouri with, with the win over Florida, too. I think they more than handle that game against the Gators. They're playing really good football. They're the second best team in the East right now in the SS and the S the SSC the SEC excuse me, and they able to get the win over Florida. So I got Georgia, Missouri, and look at some of the different games that I have right now. 
I don't know, actually, because there's multiple that I really like. I'll take Washington against Oregon State, I think is what I'll go with. I'll tell you this, never one. make that sound again in your life. <laughs> I, I I don't even know what sound I made. I, I don't even know. It just, it just happened. But all right, Washington over Oregon State is what we're going to roll with. I, I don't even know what sound I made. But all right, so Georgia, Missouri, Washington. Also, game day is at JMU this weekend in Harrisonburg. They're not going to be that far away from where we're at, right? What uh, Harrisonburg? I mean, it's just gonna be down. It'll just be down the road at I eighty one from yeah, from here. Absolutely. I mean, it's like what, like an hour and a half, give or yeah, take. Exactly. Yeah, it's just an hour and a half down the road if you want to watch game day, beat live and in person over at Harrisonburg. But NFL slate for you now, real quick. I got Dak Prescott over one and a half touchdown passes as the lock of the week, and I think they're more than able to hit that against Carolina. Over forty eight and a half points between the Cardinals and the Texans. That's going to be a shootout, and the Steelers with a win over the Bengals. Is what we got for the NFL this weekend. Want to get to the text line one more time before the week is over? As always, you can text us three zero four two six three four three two one. Texter says, thought of the day, if Shepard is bumped out in the first round, I'm going to be upset that we are moved to Super Region 2. Uh, he wanted us to specify why Shepard was moved to Super Region 2. There's a handful of factors into that. Uh, the access that we talked about with New Haven being in the top nine, it, was it granted access or earned access? It's one of something Earned access, access earned is access. the official term. They had to get into the field, which made things complicated. Um, the NCAA does not want, if they're able to, they want to avoid rematches in the first round of the playoffs and travel is also a factor. You know, the question for me is going to become, you know, would Shepard rather have been the five seed, obviously in their own side of the bracket against Slippery Rock, which I think they had earned uh, because they had the head to head win against East Stroudsburg. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where things are. That's the point of contention as well. Or would they have been good enough to uh, leap Virginia union at 10 and one, although they're a conference champion and take on Kutztown. There's a lot of factors that went into it. New Haven started it. Getting Virginia Union relocated was also part of it. They don't want to have rematches. They try to avoid conference matchups as well in the first round, despite there being one from the PSAC, which is unavoidable, although East Stroudsburg and Slippery Rock didn't play each other this year. And travel is part of it. Shepard is also the southernmost PSAC team, which makes them the most eligible candidate to get relocated down to Super Region 2. And I'm not saying that those are good reasons. I agree with the text line. If Shepard, I think this is going to be a very fun and competitive game. But if Shepard were to lose, the question absolutely deserves to be asked, if it's just for sake of geographical, you know, travel, because the NCAA pays for travel in the postseason, um, that shouldn't be a good enough reason just to relocate a team. So if that's what it came down to, and we'll have to get a further explanation. That is not a good enough and sufficient enough reason to have relocated the Rams. Well, now this is going to keep an underlying issue now for a good bit for Shepard. Do they have to be a top four seed to avoid being relocated? Right, because this could happen too? every year. Because it's going to be them every single year. Right. I mean, that's that's just the 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 state of the facts at that point. That the southernmost school in the conference, and it's like okay. The Shep- Shepherds nine and two again. We just put them in Super Region two. I, I'm, I'm afraid that's what's going to be the norm. And not only are the southernmost co- team in the the conference, they're one of the southernmost teams in the region because the MEC has teams that are further to the south, but they're yeah. only going to send one team every year. Yeah. You know, the NE10 is all the way up in the northeastern part of the country, and the GMAC is spread all the way across, mostly north of Shepherd. Yeah. So if you're only going to have one MEC school, and that one MEC school is going to be a team that's always going to be a top four seed because they're going to be a conference champion and they're going to be a ten win team. Yeah. So by de facto, not only is Shepard the most southern team of the PSAC, 95% of the time they're going to be the most southern team in Super Region 1 to make the playoffs. Yeah, so it's the de facto choice to send to Super Region 2 or a different Super Region, which uh, if, if 
I, I'm, I don't know how I feel about that. There's there's definitely some tweaks that I think need to be made with the system. And I understand you don't want to have rematches in the first round of the playoffs and you, you want to accommodate for travel or not have it to that point. But maybe the whole earned access yeah. stipulation needs to be re-explored because, out. I mean, if you look out of the teams who were left out of the field, you look uh, the t- like the first three out who we think were in Super Region 1, Cal, Cal. Frostburg, yep. and Fairmont are probably yep. the first three out of the playoffs. Out of those teams right now, does Cal beat a New Haven? I don't know. I, I mean, we saw Cal. Cal's a really good team, and they're out of the playoffs. So I, I, to wrap things up, earned access needs to be re-explored <laughs> in the future. I'll close with that. Well, that's going to do it for us. And again, we've got high school football tonight. Pre-game beginning at 7 o'clock, 7.30 kick. Kyle Wicks has the call between Martinsburg and Jefferson. We've got a high-octane round one playoff Division two football matchup tomorrow on 95.9 The Big Dog between the Shepherd Rams uh, and Lenore Ryan. We're going down to Hickory here in about a half hour, and uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. By the way, we've got some pretty hardcore breaking news that it's going to come your way in the, the first segment of Panhandle Live so I would really, really encourage our listeners that they stay tuned through the top of the hour news and uh, catch Marsha Kavalik in the award-winning Panhandle Live coming up on the other side. For Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you on Monday. Some people get their kicks stomping on a dream. But I don't let it... WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.